You're listening to Your Jewish Life Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2022. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life your way with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching. We are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Have you ever said the words, oh, I'm such a bad Jew, or maybe you've been in a situation where you feel embarrassed about your level of Jewishness or your knowledge of Jewishness? Maybe you've been around someone a little more religious and you think you've done things the wrong way and you don't know what you're doing. Well, today's guest has actually coined a phrase for that, Jew-barrassment. And we are diving into dealing with Jew-barrassment, why there's no such thing as a bad Jew, how we as Jews can keep rules from dividing us, and so much more with my guest, Lisa Lissa, who is the Executive Vice President at Jubilong. So you might know Jubilong from the billboards that you may have seen. They are all across America in really prominent places like Times Square, huge, bold billboards that are calling out anti-Semitism and certainly expanding the conversation around anti-Semitism too. They're really attention-getting. I'll put a link in the show notes. But Jubilong do so much more than just put billboards around to get conversations going. And we're going to dive into all of that with Lisa. Lots to talk about. We'll be talking about anti-Semitism as well and how to handle it, how to deal with it, and also just how to enjoy being Jewish. You know, we can't always be focusing on hate. We must make space for joy and feeling fabulous, which you know is such a big part of my podcast, Your Jewish Life, Your Way. So let's dive into the conversation with Lisa. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. It's such a joy to have you on here. There's so much to talk about today. I'm super excited. Me too. I'm so excited to be invited and to really engage with you and your amazing community. So I want to start with a question that I think a lot of my audience might be thinking, which is they've seen the bus shelter ads and billboards in Times Square. They've seen the the graphics, these posters that do belong are great at putting out on social media, maybe on you know, in the in the real world, on the print in print billboards. But what exactly does Jew Belong do, and what is your mission with what you're doing? Right, that's a great question. So Jew Belong's core mission is finding ways to be an access point for the DJs, and the DJs are the disengaged or disconnected Jews. So what we know is that in Jewish life, we go through a lot of journeys and. Many people, a big issue is that it's hard to do Jewish these days for a lot of people. And so as as we grow up, we drop off. We may have a bar bar bat mitzvah and then then we're done. And we're like engaged with the secular world because we have all these opportunities and we're sort of shedding something that was part of who we were. And so we are looking at those Jews, the disconnected Jews, the DJs, and we're trying to create resources that speak to them so that they can find that jewel in Judaism that resonates with them, that's personal. And that it's not the shoulds, but the coulds, like the opportunities of Judaism versus the requirements. So 
you know, we look at the requirements as opportunities. You know, I've heard a rabbi speak and share that we should look at the mitzvot as opportunities, not as, as obligations. Now, a lot of people would object to that, but if we're trying to engage people who have sort of like fallen off or who have lost that connection, we need to find different vocabulary. And opportunity is a really open kind of word. And so that's what we're, we're trying to do with Jubilong. And, when, and, you know, you talk a lot about young Jews, modern Jews sort of falling off. Maybe it's not as easy to feel Jewish or be Jewish as it once was. Why do you think that is? I think that Judaism comes with a lot of judgment. I think a lot of religion does. And, and we hear like statistically, all young Jews in these categories, all young Americans or na- internationally are like finding distance from religion. That organized religion feels like it doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't, it doesn't fulfill them. It doesn't enlarge their lives. And when there are so many requirements, you feel like you have to hop through. And you also feel like there are special rules that you have to know that you don't necessarily think you know. It's easier to walk away than it is to jump in because it's scary to jump in. And so, so if you don't feel like you have the knowledge, then you're going to walk away. You know, we all want to be experts at whatever we do. And if there's something that we're not expert at, we're going to just say, okay, well, let's put that over there. And um, what we're trying to do at Jubilong is show that you don't have to be an expert to get the joy of Judaism. You can dip your toe in and, and swim a little or like take a tiny bite and taste it and get something that can fill you up that you didn't expect that will only add value to your life. And what I love is even if you just dip in and taste it, it doesn't mean you're any less Jewish than someone that immerses themselves in Judaism or is more Jewish than you in inverted commas. You know, right. I think we're both under a, we're both on a mission to dispel that myth of sort of Jewish comparisonitis and not feeling good enough. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we hear all the time that when you ask people, you know, about their Jewish practice. They're like, well, I'm not a good Jew. Like I don't, I don't keep Shabbos or I'm not kosher or like I haven't been to synagogue in five years. And they say they're not good Jews because they're putting a judgment on themselves. Whereas we're all people and life goes through steps. So sometimes I'm gonna wanna walk through that synagogue door and sometimes I'm not. And I might never wanna walk through, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a piece of this Jewish heritage and legacy that can enrich my soul. So that's what Jubilong is about with our, like our online, we have these do-it-yourself resources and uh, we call them now Jubilong off-screen because you can print out the resources and then off-screen engage in a vibrant Jewish experience. Yeah, and you know, the website is something I, I dived into in the last few days before when Franya was talking to you. And it it's really there's so much good stuff there. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes so everyone can Great. can dive in and 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 see what's there. So, you know, there are a lot of rules and in inverted commas with Judaism, but why why isn't there more focus on the values and the the sort of just the Jewish home, which is, you know, if you have I, I like the phrase a Jewish what makes a Jewish home is a Jewish heart you know it needs to sort of we need to simplify Judaism but there's so many rules so many values I guess that's something you're trying to change yeah well what we're trying to show and change is that the rules are a piece of it but there are values that underlie all of the rules 
And it's hard to learn everything, but if you sort of dip in and take a taste of it, like many of our resources have readings and that are soulful, that are touching our soul, that may not be traditional, but they do touch a Jewish value that underlies what that purpose is. And, you know, Judaism is a home-based religion. So yes, we have like rules about how many people we're supposed to pray with in a minion, but we also have seen those rules change. So in the last 50 years, we've gone from being only men to being able to count women. And then if we look around our tables, we could have, you know, eight to 10 people at a Shabbos dinner and you've got community. And even with four people at a Shabbos dinner, you have community because whether, you know, I like to think of that scene from Fiddler on the Roof where it's the Shabbos blessing scene, where you see, you know, images of Jewish women lighting candles in all different places. And so if you know that it's Shabbat somewhere, then someone else is having that experience at the same time that you are. And there's like such a power in that particular ritual. So whether it's Shabbat candles or whether it's having the Seder or whether it's, you know, if you know that, that even if, you're just a small group, but other bigger groups are touching you, then you can feel empowered by it. Like this is about community, not about, you know, strictures, like putting the fence around it, which is a Talmudic saying, um, doesn't have to make it smaller, it can make it bigger. And you've coined a brilliant word, Jewbarrassment, which I think every one of us can relate to you know we're always no matter how Jewish we are we find ourselves in a situation sometimes where we're just not sure of ourselves are we doing it right you know did I do the wrong thing and tell me how all that came about Jew embarrassment and any great stories of of, of your Jew embarrassment so, <laughs> so so the thing is I have to I have to give credit where credit is due so Archie Gottesman our, our co-founder invented the term Jubarrassment. And she tells a story about an experience in her family. So I'm going to just share that story with you guys. So she's at Thanksgiving with her family. And, you know, there's people coming in and out the door. It's at her aunt's house and, and her cousin is there. And she's, she's like, they're all having drinks in the living room, but she like hears that there's like a hubbub in the kitchen. And so what's going on in the kitchen? She's like kind of listening in. She doesn't really see what, hear what's going on. And then her cousin comes out and like, I don't know if she was in tears or what, but she's like the feta and what the feta. So she put feta cheese in the salad that she brought to Thanksgiving and they were having turkey and you can't have milk and meat. And so she was Jew barris because she forgot that she couldn't put cheese in the salad. And so that's like an example. It's a great of, example. We've all of done Jew embarrassment, right? Yes. Like that's sort of like the foundational moment that Archie talks about. And I think we can all relate. There are moments okay. that we are Jew Barris. Like I, I had an experience where, I mean, I love my sister. I have an identical twin sister. We are so lucky to have each other. And there was a time where she kept kosher and I did not but we're having a picnic outside and she asked me to bring food and I brought it in my glass bowl and then it started raining and she wouldn't bring my bowl in to clean it in the sink because it wasn't a kosher bowl. <laughs> and for me, that was very embarrassing and it kind of pissed me off. But at the same time, I recognize that everybody has the rules that make them feel like they're doing it right, but we shouldn't make those rules be dividers. Mm. Right. That's mm. what that's why we want to like 
fight against Jew embarrassment because there's no reason we have to make other Jews feel like they're doing less. You know? A lot of Jews do make other Jews feel like they're doing less. So how, do you, how do you um, do do you, oh, you're obviously working with the individuals feeling Jew embarrassed, but what about the perpetrators? <laughs> or the that's more a religious? Tough, right. So Sorry, that's perpetrators a, is a strong word, but you know. Yeah, what that's I'm a strong word. Yes. Yeah, so, but the more religious people who think that they're more Jewish or they're a better Jew, it's a little hard for us to communicate to them. They are not the people we're speaking to with our resources. What we're saying is, you know, that's their issue. Like we can only be responsible for ourselves. Like I'm not going to jubarrass you, but I am not going to let them jubarrass me, right? Like, so. Yeah, I think social media is a really interesting place as well, because whereas in real life, different types of Jews might gather in different arenas different neighborhoods different areas sometimes all the time online let's say on Instagram we're kind of all in one place so we posted something the other day well I posted a reel all about you know if I don't keep kosher I'm still Jewish if I don't do this I'm still Jewish and there were so many comments um one of which was uh, from a patrilineal Jew saying you know even though x I feel y and you know and and of course, someone commented and said, and said, sorry to break it to you, but if your mother's not Jewish, you're not Jewish. You know, we get those guys, and they're always, am I allowed to say this on my own podcast? They're always guys. <laughs> and they always don't have a phone, often don't have a photo on their profile. And they just, uh, they just say this stuff. And it's just not necessary. Okay, we're trying to create a certain conversation here. And yeah, I don't know if you have that on your social media or how you use social media differently. Yeah, so... We definitely get that on our social media. I mean, we are trying to be an open tent and then people are people come at us and say, you're wrong, it can't be that way. And, and the bottom, our answer to that is Judaism needs to be open, right? Like, like we know that there are rules. But what marked us from the beginning was Abraham and Abraham's open tent right? This is, you know, what the the rabbis tell us that Abraham had that was open on all four sides. And so that's what we are trying to accomplish. And so when the haters come at us, we just need to like own our identity as an open tent and say, you know what, like we have a bill, we have a billboard that says, you know, God has more things to worry about than you eating bacon, right? (laughs) Like, there's, there's a lot going on in this world. Like, look, I totally respect people who keep kosher. I keep kosher in my house, but I don't judge people who don't keep kosher. You know, and, and there I are moments. That's, yeah. I think that's the key word, judge. I think, you know, one of the things that I constantly talk about is a no judgment zone. This post- podcast is a no judgment zone. I've had people come on and say, oh, I should be doing it. No, this is a no judgment you know, that my social media is. And I I will comment on on those people to people that, that, that write things like I just described to you and make them realize this is not the place to go speak like that somewhere, but not on my, not in my garden, you know? So like you said, it's owning your beliefs, your spaces and making change where you can. Yeah. And I think that when we talk about owning, I think that's when we talk about confidence and courageousness and like we are vulnerable, but our vulnerability can be our power. So, right, look, it can hurt me if you judge me. But at the same time, the fact that we are open and and doing something different than what like the brick and mortar buildings are necessarily doing 
means that we're taking the same resources and we're reading them differently. And that's, that takes courage, right? That's, that really takes a, a bravery and, and a bravery that's going to be compelling to people who are not interested in the rules. So if we want to bring more Jews in, we have to take that risk that there will be people who follow the so-called rules. And I won't even say so-called, there are rules. I mean, that's what it is. The, the, they're called mishpatim, they're rules, right? But we have to follow them by their purpose, not by their rote. Like, like we Judaism, have to, yeah. yeah. Judaism is evolving. And that's what one of the things that I love about Judaism. It's not a static thing, it's evolving and we're evolving it. Now, what tips do you have for people who feel very hurt by other Jews that judge them in that way? Mm, tips. I think what I would say is that no one can tell you you're not Jewish enough, right? No, no one that no one is really allowed to do that. You you are Jewish if if you choose to be Jewish. Like there there are are writers who say you know these days I think it was Sarah Hurwitz in her book she writes of which is a uh, here all along that was her book about fi- returning to her Jewish identity is that we travel away and then we travel back but no one can tell me that I'm less Jewish than them right this if I am taking on the responsibilities, if I am taking on responsibilities that provide meaning to me and help me feel more connected, not just to my fellow Jews, but to like a higher power, then I'm Jewish. Like that's, I I own it, you know? And so when someone feels like really put down by Jews who are saying, you're not doing it right. I think we need to like to come back to ourselves and say, what is my heart telling me? And, And if my heart is telling me that I'm Jewish no matter what, then I'm Jewish no matter what. I'm Jewish if I eat bacon. I'm Jewish, you know, we also have a billboard that says we don't care which half of you is Jewish, right? Because there is no half, right? We're all a whole. And I think that that, you know, I also, because I've done a lot of Jewish study, like some language that comes to me is this idea of B'Tselem Elohim, which means being created in God's image. So we are all unique individuals, but we're all created in God's image. So however I experience that and and respecting that, I can respect you and your very strict, you know, experience of Judaism. And I would like you to respect me and my different experience of Judaism because it feeds me. And that's what that's what Judaism is about. I love that. And it is so much about respect. It's about saying this person has the right to be this person and, and, you know, let them do their thing. You do your thing and, you know, yeah, life will be easier. So what sparks Jewish joy for you personally? A lot of things spark Jewish joy for me. You know, I, um, it, it's, I have an interesting journey because when I started learning more and I was raised as a conservative Jew who went to synagogue, but did not keep kosher. So there's a little inconsistency there. I was not Shomer Shabbos. But we were a synagogue going family. We did Friday night dinner. When I learned more, I was learning in, at Hebrew Union College, the Reform Seminary. And I, it really opened up my heart to all the different possibilities. So my more serious Judaism actually happened when I became more of a Reform Jew. Wow. Which is really <laughs> fascinating, right? Yes. Like I, I saw that, you know, you can be an intentional Jew with adaptations and with um, change. And, and uh, one, of, one of my teachers said that, you know, what's most authentic 
a Judaism that responds to the time, a Judaism that that is not stuck. Judaism never was stuck. So what gives me Jewish joy is the freedom to experience Judaism in 2022 as a Jewish woman who chants Torah and who sometimes eats a cheeseburger. You know, it happens. But for me, Judaism just infuses my identity. And so that sparks Jewish joy. And so that, I guess, you just told me what your Jewish life your way is, you know, (laughs) right? Would you say that's what your Jewish life your way means to you? Yeah. It's it's the Judaism that sparks joy for you, no matter what anyone has to say about it. And, you know, there's always going to be the judgy pants person over there. So we might as well do what makes us feel good and let them judge that rather than do something else and let them judge it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, ha- I have to tell you a story. And this is just, it sort of, it, it fed my own Jewish journey from a time I was really young. And so when I was like a pre-teenager, I started learning about the Holocaust. And what I saw when I was learning at that young age was it didn't matter how Jewish you were, whether you were deemed a Jew or not, for the bad guys, right? For the Nazis. Like you could have a grandparent who converted from Judaism to Christianity. You could be raised Christian and the outside world would still look at you as Jewish. So why not just find the joy in Judaism? If I'm going to be defined by the other as Jewish, why don't I define my own Judaism in a way that fills my life instead of makes it scary? So that's and like when I think about it, I was I was a kid when I like came to that conclusion. But like in every different phase of my life, I've lived that a different way. So I love that. Well, speaking of Jewish joy, let's take a quick break. I want to tell you about something that sparks so much joy for me. Just want to take a moment to invite you over to my place. That's my Jewish community, Smashing Life, a place for everyone, Jewish or Jewish, to feel welcome. It's a non-judgmental Jewish community that nourishes and empowers you and gives you everything you need to feel Jewish at heart and supercharged in life. Hosted by me, Karen Cinnamon. I'm going to hand over to one of our members, Jeanette, uh, so you can hear what she has to say about Smashing Life. I love all the perks of being in Smashing Life, from the masterclasses to the resources to the discounts to the opportunity to crowdsource in the Facebook group. It all provides so many great benefits. We also have forums, recipes, book clubs, craft clubs, modern Jewish life experts, Zoom Kabbalah Shabbats, monthly expert masterclasses, social events, online and real life, discounts, gifts, and I could go on and on. It really is the place for every Jewish woman. It is super inclusive, super warm, um, and I invite you to come and join us and connect with me and hundreds of other like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. You'll find a beautiful community local to you and you'll also create new Jewish friends all over the world to share Jewish culture and joy with and learn Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. So head on over to smashinglife.club and come join us. So I'm here talking with the wonderful Lisa from Jubilong. We've heard a lot about Jubilong. I'm going to return to hearing more of your work, but right now I want to find a little bit more about you, Lisa, and your Jewish life. Tell me what your favorite Jewish holiday is and why. 
So yeah, it's Passover. I gotta say, I love Passover. <laughs> I, I, I have to laugh because like I go all out. Like I, from the very beginning of like, of, of being a little kid and then raising my own family and having my own seders, I, I love the cooking. Like you I do. love having a meal where I- <laughs> You like the cleaning like, as well? <laughs> yeah, I, I give that to, that was always the husbands, the men in the room. If I, yeah, you know, when yeah. I became unmarried, that went to the other men in the room. But yeah, yeah. But I love setting the table and making it beautiful. I love welcoming my family and people who aren't my family to come and join the story. And, and I feel like Passover gives us an opportunity, opportunity to retell our foundation story with these steps, like, and like the kids can make it a game. I have a placemat that has like all the different parts of the Seder, you know, all the different steps and they can put like a drop of wine or whatever they're nice. eating or drinking yeah. on each. And, yeah. you know, as I've, you know, grown up, I've sort of learned different ways to do the Seder. And that's also where Jubilong comes in because, because when I first met Archie, um, Many years ago in a Jewish leadership development program called the Wexner Heritage Program, she brought her family Haggadah that she writes every year at that point to share with us in this leadership development program. And that was the first time I realized like, oh, you mean I can write my own? And that was fantastic. And so, and that's what we have on, on the Jubilong website. And so I started when I was running my own Seders, I started using parts of of that Jubilong Haggadah along with, you know, um, I was making my family very confused because I had like five different Haggadahs that I was <laughs> using at the same time. And I had all these sticky notes. And so it's like, okay, be less of a teacher and more of a leader. So <laughs> I, ha I had to do that. And then I also had to, you know, make the dinner. So it was like stressful, but I love it. Yeah, that's it. Um, but I think finding different creative ways to do the Seder. And if there are children involved, it might be one way. And if there are adults involved, it might be another. And some years we sit on the floor and some years we sit at the table and sometimes we have puppets, you know, like that's that. like the creativity and the innovation and um, the, the distinctiveness of every Seder, but the similarity of every Seder. So that's something that I just love. That, that is beautiful. And I love it when you talk about the Haggadah. It's almost like you can crowdsource your sort of ideal Haggadah, a bit from here, a bit from there. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier about rules. Like there are rules, but make them your own. That's why there are rules. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, do I want to stick to the rules? Do I want to change the rules? What speaks to Right. Me? Like, I mean, the rules are funny because like one of my favorite stories of the Haggadah is that my grandfather used to leave the, the Seder and he put notes in the margins. And I'll never forget one year I, I got his, his Haggadah and it said, skip to soup. <laughs> so, <when> it, <laughs> so it's like, how do I run the Seder? Well, I have all of these little grandchildren and it's time to skip to the soup. So I love like it. We, we make it work for us. That's like my favorite story. So. So on that note, I've got to hear more about the way you do Jew. Tell me, what's your favorite tradition? My favorite tradition. Look, I just took on baking challah. I think it had something to do with the pandemic that, you know, we were home and um, 
I didn't have that many people did at you home. Spend, but did I, you start an Instagram account for your baking colors? And not, that is a, that's the most pandemic thing you can do. <laughs> I understand. I didn't start an Instagram account, but I did share my pictures with everyone on Facebook. So I yeah, you, you went there. Yeah. Because I'm like a generation before, you know, Instagram. So, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to get into Instagram. You need to be a Halifluencer. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, but yeah, and that's something that I really love to do. And I never really thought about like the power of getting your hands in the dough, you know, like, like just getting your hands in the dough. Like it's a simple recipe. It really is. Like it doesn't take much. I mean, I follow the recipe every time I change it a little bit here and there, but you really could do it with your eyes closed. And so that's, what's so beautiful is that despite that every Shabbat, you can like just get started in creating something new. And again, I, I keep Shabbat because I keep it in my heart, right? So whether I'm with a large group or whether I'm even by myself, I will light the Shabbat candles. I will say the Kiddush and I will have my challah. And, um, and my son calls me, my son who is 26, he calls me every Shabbat and I give him a blessing over the phone. Oh my goodness, I love that. <laughs> every Friday. Every Friday. So my daughter's not so much, but my son, yes. Is it the same blessing or do you change it on circumstances? I do the same. I do the traditional blessing from, um, yeah. And, and the thing that, you know, I, I make draw a lot of links. So for his bar mitzvah, his Torah portion was the portion where, where Jacob blesses, um, Ephraim and Menashe, which becomes the blessing that we say every Shabbat may, may you be like. Ephraim and Menashe. And so the fact that it was his bar mitzvah portion, and then it's something that I do every week is something that makes me feel like there's a real connection. And like, I, I like to find those connectors within the Torah that, that really actually are part of our life. Like, and it, it says in the Torah, may you be like Ephraim and Menashe, like the actual words are in there. And I love that, that that becomes, so now every week I'm set, I'm talking Torah with my son. So whether it, yeah. And, and so like for me, like Archie would say, Lisa, you're very Jewy. And I would say, yes. And whatever gives, gives you the joy, you have that opportunity. So what does so, Archie mean by that? You're very Jewy. Because, because, and I think it may be a Jew embarrassment thing because I do a little bit more than most, but everybody yeah. has it. Yeah. But, but, and yet it's not so Jewy because in our Shabbat booklet, we have a blessing for the children, which is in English. And so that you don't have to feel like sometimes Hebrew is a barrier, right? People, we don't speak, I don't speak Hebrew fluently. I know how to read it and I know how to sing it, but you know, it takes a while for me to like learn what the words mean. And that's because I'm trying, but not all of us have that time. You know, I am a teacher, so this is what I do. But we have the power. If the tradition is to bless your children, then you could do any blessing you want. And each of us, we're actually allowed to write our own blessings. So if I have something special, I want to say to my child, if like, if I have two daughters and they have different personalities, I might, might want to give one daughter one special thought. Like we don't have to think of it as like a blessing and this is it. You're holding it for the rest of your life. We could say, this is my special touch to you for the week. And that's really beautiful. Mm. you know and we and, can also create our own uh, shabbat rituals and traditions yeah. and that work for our families and and yeah i i think 
I think through our conversation, I can see it's, it's so much about being confident in living your Jewish life your way and knowing that what you're doing, I mean, I can see these blessings ignite so much Jewish pride for you. And I think I, I spoke to, have you spoken to Ben M. Freeman, the author of Jewish Pride? Um, you know, he speaks so much sense about, you know, sort of feeling that Jewish pride is the answer to so much. Yeah. And let's find the things that make us feel that pride. Like, you know, your story with the blessing is beautiful. Thank <laughs> you. And I just also want to share that it's not, this is something that I've taken on now, right? So in the last five years, let's say. But I had a whole life before where I did not do all of these different Jewish things. Do you think it's because you didn't have as much time? I think it's because life took me in different directions, right? When I had three young kids, um, my son is diabetic, but he was diagnosed with type one diabetes. I like, I was focused on like medical stuff. I was focused on making sure he was mainstreamed. I was, I mean, we did Jewish in our house. We did Friday night dinner. And if I if I had to do kiddish with a glass of wine at the restaurant down the street, that's what I did, you know, because I didn't always want to cook dinner on Friday night. Yeah. But that was okay. And so I'm just saying that like we could take on new things and we can let things go. Mm. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't make you more or less Jewish. It just feeds your life what you need at a particular time. I love that. And we've got, um, I don't know if you know, we have a community for Jewish women called Smashing Life. And we were talking about Shabbat and, you know, ways to mark Shabbat and ways to, to separate it from the rest of the week. We we're just having conversations around it. And one of our members said, the problem for me is I work on Friday and Saturdays. I'm a vet and I my night shift at the moment is, is over a Friday. And we said to her, make your Shabbat another day of the week at the moment, you know, could it be the Tuesday night on your day off? And, and, you know, isn't that better than just right at work, I'm not going to do anything at all. And, you know, now she can enjoy the, literally the benefits of Shabbat. Shabbat is such a healing ritual. Um, And again, there's no right way to be Jewish, no matter what everyone tries to to tell you. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, that is really, the truth. That's really the story of, of what it means to be Jewish in the world today and what we're trying to access for people with Jubilong. Because, you know, take what you want, take what you think you need, let go of the things that don't, that don't impact you, that don't infuse you with more joy, because that's okay. You know, as we look through the stories of, you know, our Torah heroes, it was never a straight line. No. You know, it's it's not a straight line to being a Jew. And so it's not a straight line to being a person. So I think that that's essential. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe listening, who's struggling with feeling Jewish enough? Maybe they don't didn't have time to do Rosh Hashanah properly last year. And it's the first year they've not done it because they've got young kids and, you know, or for all manner of reasons. What what tips and advice do you have for someone who's struggling? So I think what I would say, and this is, this is another ritual that I like have started doing regularly. Um, Judaism is infused with gratitude, right? So, so we can wake up in the morning tradition says, and we say a blessing called which, which says, thank you, God, for returning my soul to my body so that I can stand in and and with compassion, you know, I'm, I'm, adding words, but it's, it's really thank you. Like I woke up today and thank you. And I think that if we can go through life and just say deep breath, thank you. And think of it as a Jewish thank you, right? Then, then we're doing Jewish. Mm. 
right? So if you feel like, oh, I fell off, I fell off the wagon of Judaism. I don't do enough. You know what? Judaism is really just about being human. You know, Oprah had a whole like years ago, like the gratitude journals. And we, we do all of this. We believe that like feeling gratitude, acknowledging gratitude makes us feel more whole. And Judaism starts the day with gratitude. Absolutely. So, so I think that's a way for people who aren't doing much, just one thank you in the yeah. morning. One of the things we're bringing out later this year, funnily enough, is a Jewish joy journal, which is going to be a gratitude and goals journal with Jewish values, because, you know, we have so much good stuff happening in Smashing Life and with our Instagram community on the podcast, but we felt the need to create something tangible that we can kind of all do together. So that's really exciting. And I'll, I'll be sure to send you a copy when it, oh, when it comes out. Um, but, you know, moving away from joy quickly, just because I know that a lot of people will know do belong for, for, for all the work you've done um, with anti-Semitism. Let's yes. just touch briefly on that. Um, what impact have your, have your billboards had and, you know, what's, what's, what's next, you know, what you've started is real visibility, yeah. getting people talking about it that wouldn't normally talk about it. Tell me about some of the reactions to, to the billboards. And so, um, so we've definitely had, we've definitely had great reactions to the billboards. I mean, we've gotten press coverage on it. We've gotten, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares and likes and comments on our um, Instagram and Facebook feeds. Um, our billboards are designed to bring anti-Semitism awareness into the zeitgeist. Our, they're designed so that not only do, do Jewish people feel like they're being seen, right? Jews who are engaged, Jews who are disengaged. When someone is saying out loud in the streets something that they're feeling in their hearts and not feeling like they could share it because of the way that anti-Semitism is working in the world today, those people are empowered and feel more of a confidence in their Jewish identity and less afraid. So that's what we know is happening. We know it's happening because people are reaching back out to us and asking us to teach them how to use their voices in our way. Fabulous. Are you doing workshops around that? Well, we are just starting to speak at um, DEI conferences at, you know, diversity, inclusion, and engagement, because one of the things that we know is that in that um, field, we talk about a lot of different hates, but Jew hate is left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, um, it's left for the Jews to, to piece together and work yeah. out, but yeah. And so, so how do we share that, like, Jew hate is real. It has impact. If we don't want people to feel bullied, if we are like against bullying, because bullying makes people feel small and dangerous and at risk, how much more does anti-Semitism, how much more does seeing a swastika, how much more does like being afraid to walk down the street with a yarmulke feel? So what we're trying to do with these signs is make people feel empowered to feel some more of their Jewish pride, because also they're funny and they're clever. There's a lot of information in a small number of words. And we also need to get it out into the world itself so that non-Jewish people can see that it this is a thing and it's happening and it's it's not going to be invisible anymore. Yeah. So that's that's what the purpose of our, our ad campaign is. And we've been up in in five cities and we're going up in Toronto and we're going up in Delaware oh, yeah. and um, 
we're going to go up in Miami and we're excited about that. And we are going to go to college campuses because those those kids are struggling. You've got a very active uh, Instagram account as well that we'll link to in the show notes. What what different results do we call it or reactions? I mean, what's the difference between a sort of print billboards, um, which very few of us have sort of access to that impact versus what you're able to achieve on Instagram, which every one of us has that. Um, right. Um, you know, ability. I'm curious as to, to how you gauge both both campaigns as it were. Right. So so the way that it that we view the campaign, we look at it as integrated. So we post a billboard and then people walk by it, they see it, they drive by it, it's on the highway. And then we amplify it through our Instagram and through our Facebook and through our TikTok. And the way we know people are engaging with it is by the the clicks, right? By the people, the like and the shares and the comments. And we have had huge success. Um, when we, when we in October, when we like announced on Instagram that we were able to put up our billboard back in Times Square that said, we're just 75 years from the gas chambers. So no, a billboard calling out Jew hate is not an overreaction. So we posted that we had just put it back up and that post was shared 750,000 times. And tell me, do people photograph the billboard and then share that as well? Like I'm sure it's sort of the two meet one another, don't they? Absolutely. And so like I first saw it before... I was even working yeah. for Jubilong yeah. when a friend of mine posted a picture of the Times Square billboard that was like the huge one in the middle of Times Square. And it was on my, my Facebook feed. And then I shared it. I right. It. So, yeah. you know, each of us have our own communities. And so when you multiply that, that's the organic push of it. And that is just has been huge. What, what's your ultimate goal with what you're doing at Jubilong? So our ultimate goal on the anti-Semitism campaign is for people to start talking about it. Like we really need to have conversations and that's a metric that's hard to measure. And so right now what we're seeing it is, um, I, I don't want to, I'm thinking of what the right word is, but it's the way the engagement is happening. So people are reaching back out to us who we wouldn't expect to reach out to us and are sharing their appreciation of the billboard and sharing how they'd like us to use it. So if it's Universal Music Group, which is like the biggest music group in the world, says, we love your messaging. We want you to speak at our DEI. We know that we're getting to a different audience. Did that happen? That happened. And Fantastic. that was like huge, wow. right? Wow. And, and then we go on the like opposite end and we have... We have a, a small billboard company in um, Borough Park and other Orthodox parts of Brooklyn who see our messaging and say that this is going to empower our community. We want to see those signs in our community where they're feeling it physically and emotionally every single day. Now, this the Orthodox community is not our focus group. We're looking at the disengaged Jews and the fact that the Jews who are deeply involved, deeply confident in their like Jewish identity, you know, they're, they, they would jubarous me, but they feel like our messaging still speaks to them. So the breadth of community that we're touching it is really remarkable. And, um, and I think that it, it's, it's, um, 
it's going to change the way we talk about anti-Semitism in the world today and connect Jews from different I was going to say, sadly, yeah, when, you, when you tell me that story, sadly, it's the anti-Semitism that unites us all as one when we realize actually we're one and we have to work together. And yeah. when you talked about the, the Orthodox community getting in touch, I was thinking that's a great way to get them in, to educate them how not to do better. <laughs> you really got access to all. And yeah. I, think, I think the work you're doing is incredible. It sounds like it's literally only just begun um, and you've made such uh yeah it's it's just incredible to hear we'll definitely link to some of those billboards for anyone that's maybe listening and outside of the us and and hasn't seen these billboards i want people uh, to see because no matter how jewish you feel um either you know orthodox or entirely you know peripheral seeing a billboard like that just makes you feel seen you know someone's actually talking about me in the mainstream and it's just what a size totally. it must be. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to. Really, yeah. We're going to. <laughs> we, we, there's so, I mean, honestly, couldn't, I, I could chat to you for hours. This is, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to do a part two or a, some sort of collaboration. We'd also love um, your community to join in with our, our Jewish connection challenge that we're, we're holding in a couple of weeks time. It's a free challenge for um, feeling more connected to your identity, yourself, others. Um, I'll share some details in case anyone's interested at the end of the episode. But I thought it'd be fun to just lighten up and talk about some fun quick fire questions. Are you up for it, okay. Lisa? I am so <laughs> up for it. <laughs> Okay, that's far away. Matzo ball soup or bagels with lot? Matzo ball soup. Red wine, white wine, or grape juice for kiddish? <laughs> Red wine. <laughs> and with your love for Passover, is it matzo or challah? Oh, matzo. Really? No, wait, what am I saying? <laughs> Ah, well, like, well, you're like, like, I love Passover, so I love matzah, but I hate matzah. Because actually, I've never asked that quick fire question to anyone else because it's obviously challah, but I thought, I'll, I've just got to ask Lisa. She loves Passover. So <laughs> What's your fave Yiddish word? Oi. <laughs> and if you could have Friday night dinner with any three Jewish people, dead or alive, who would it be? Yeah. That's a toughie. That's a really tough one. You know, like with my uh, academic head, I have I have Moses. I'd like to really sit down with Moses and say, okay, what were those people really like? Um, I would love to sit with Joan Rivers. I I mean, she's had she had such an incredible journey. She brought joy and humor and feminism to the world and. Um, gave a whole different perspective on, on on what's funny and what's Jewish and what's female. And I, I love that. And another person. I'd actually maybe like to talk to Doug Emhoff and see yeah. what it's like <laughs> to like have a blended Jewish family. And like, that's so important. And that, you know, he put up a mezuzah on the vice president's house. I think that that is like making a statement and what that's like when all of a sudden you're thrust into uh, being a role model. Like, how does that really feel? And do you live your life the way you've been living your life? Or do you feel you have to do something different? Yeah. So, Talk yeah. So I rules, think, like, yeah, entering, yeah. entering into a set of rules. But yeah. You've got your own. Yeah. That, wow. I and, love so just, that. <laughs> and a funny thing about Doug Hemhoff. <laughs> so I only found this out 
like since the whole recent election, but apparently we were at the same summer camp the same summer a million years ago. <laughs> and it was a Jewish summer camp. So Wow. See, did you actually interact with Doug? I don't think that I did. He was a couple <laughs> years older than me. And you know, when you're when you're 10 and he's 12, you're not really talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that you threw in a great fun fact into the quick fire round as well. So Lisa, it has just been so good to talk to you today. Um, I know I for one I'm gonna listen to this episode over and over again just to catch all the nuggets and and you know all the talking points and I think I think what we can all gather from today's episode is you do you you do Jew Jew belong you know there's so many puns and it's such a great word that we have to because it is all about you and your Jewish life your way and having the courage and confidence to to lean into what feels right for you and I think we started the whole episode with you talking about the rules and people feel intimidated by the rules and so I guess together we hope this episode has maybe broken things down a bit and made it all feel a bit less intimidating wouldn't you say? I, I think so and I and I really think that it's important for us to realize that you know different parts of Judaism may resonate with you at different times of your life. And sometimes you may do more and sometimes you may do less. And that's okay. That's what it means to live your Jewish life is that sometimes I have time to do everything. And sometimes if I can only like sneak in one thing, then that's okay too. But life is a journey. So don't judge what you're doing now based on what you could be doing or should be doing. I think just lean into what you are doing at this moment right now. Oh, thank you, Lisa. We're going to put all your Jubilong links in the show notes so everyone can um, have a look at all those wonderful resources you provide. And yeah, I hope to have you back on the podcast again soon. Yeah, fantastic. I would love to come. All right. Thank, thank you so much. Lisa.